All right. Hello, my wonderful listeners, and welcome to the Thought Cloud podcast. This is Oliver Shawa, and our goal with this conversation is to uncover an unexpected gem and give inspiration to students that are looking to find their path in their academic journey or students that are already on their path and looking for next steps. So our guest today is Gabrielle Landry. She is an undergraduate at Harvard studying philosophy and education. Outside of school, she writes articles on education, lifestyle, and mental wellness. And Gabrielle and I connected on LinkedIn, gosh, I think it was at least over a year ago as I was watching her uh, distantly write articles and kind of wondering what you know she was up to. And I just thought, you know, I got to reach out to this person and see exactly what they're up to and, and get to know them because they're, they're so full of you know, knowledge and wisdom that I just want to, you know, get, get to know them a little better. So, um, I was really happy to see someone passionate about sharing their college experiences, helping others. And that's really what Gabrielle stands for. So today we're fortunate to have her with us and hear about where she is in her path, where she's going and where she hopes to be. So let's jump into it. Gabrielle, you can introduce yourself and take it away. Sure, yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me, Oliver. Um, it's been great to get to know about what you're up to with Thought Cloud as well. Um, so, yeah, right now I'm a junior at Harvard and studying philosophy and education. And um, recently I've been looking for ways to kind of apply philosophical thinking to other areas. So, as Oliver mentioned, uh, you know, I have been writing articles for my blog on a bunch of different topics. Um, and kind of just things that I've been thinking about. The blog is called Thoughts and Doodles, and I started it over COVID just as a way to share some thoughts about stuff that was going on in the world, but also provide some more inspiring content when, when things were feeling pretty crazy and uh, a little depressing in the world, honestly. So um, that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, I really like reading philosophy and, and fiction as well. Um, and yeah, that's just a little bit about me, but we can kind of jump into it. No, I love it. That was more. great. Jump into it. Yeah. yeah, that was wonderful. Um, and I guess we'll post the, uh, if we'll do a description, we can post a link to your blog as well to have some people check it out because I'm sure they'll be wanting to after this discussion. But let's start it off and say, where did your academic path start for you? When did you first become curious? I know you have parents that have been in the education space for a while. Maybe you can touch on that and kind of let it lead into how your upbringing affected your trajectory. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, as you just said, my parents are preschool educators. They actually run a Montessori preschool from our house. So um, growing up, I was literally born into this classroom, essentially. You said from um, your I house, also... it's actually the, the classroom takes place in your house. Yeah, so when I was born, it was in a room that's now like our dining room. Mm -hmm. um, but as the school was growing, my parents put on sort of an extra section of the house, just like a small addition to um, be able to expand the business. So now we have like a full classroom space that's wow. part of the house, which is pretty, it, it's very unique. That <laughs> is very, so cool. a lot of kids running in and out, I'm sure that you were able to interact with. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because it wasn't just the preschool kids, but um, I'm also the fifth child of 10 kids oh, in my wow. family. So ten when kids. I was born, I already had a bunch of older siblings, and then um, the age gap between me and my, my siblings in general is not very large between any given sibling, I guess. So um, yeah, pretty quickly I had younger siblings, and it was just a very 
very active, <laughs> chaotic kind of household. Um, but definitely one that was really centered around education. So like I said, we had the classroom in the house, but outside of the classroom space, we also had a bunch of books, we had toys, we had our backyard where we can go out and run around and kind of like learn through experience um, in that way. And always talking to each other, always learning from like the older siblings, explaining things to the younger siblings. So I think having so many kids around was just conducive to constant learning, constant I guess, problem solving as far as kids do that in, in everyday life. Um, so yeah, so I guess growing up, education was definitely a strong value in my family. So my parents um, made a lot of sacrifices to be able to send us to good schools in town. Um, and I think some of the more critical periods of my education were definitely like high school and then coming into college. So um, my high school was an all girls school and um, my older sister had gone there, and after me, uh, my younger sisters are there as well. But I... What was it like I at an all-girls school? Was that just, I mean, you know, only girls, <laughs> no guys. Was there another all-boys school that you guys did things with, or what was that like? Yeah, yeah, it was actually really interesting. I mean, I personally really enjoyed it. I felt that I got to know my classmates really well. It felt like a very comfortable and supportive environment to learn and to you know, speak out and and kind of be more confident in myself in a way that you might not always get um, out of co-ed school. But uh, yeah, there were nearby all boys schools that my brothers actually went to. So for like school dances or speech and debate competitions, Model UN, even like going to each other's sports games and stuff, there was a lot of like, um, a lot of interaction between the schools. like once I was able to drive, I drove a carpool with my brothers. So we would drive over to their school and drive to mine. Um, like we would go to their volleyball games and things like that. Like we would invite them to our prom and, and stuff. So, <laughs> Very fun. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely not for everyone, like single sex education. But I think for me and for my siblings, like we all found a lot of benefits in these places. Um, I think especially with my high school, like they were very focused on Um, strong teachers and mentoring as well so like in addition to just my regular teachers I had um, I and all the other students had like designated mentors who we would meet with every like two weeks to set goals and just talk about how things were going like personally and academically goals Um, personal personal goals and academic goals yeah they were really there to talk about anything going on in life and like a lot of girls really had very strong relationships with their mentors like Mm -hmm. I'm still in touch with mine today and like I still she actually doesn't even teach at my high school anymore she um, moved out to Chicago but we still have phone calls and just kind of catch up every so often to talk about life wow that's actually super that's wonderful that you're able to have that I think that at a young age when you're developing and maybe it's kind of it's hard maybe to communicate what you're looking for but to have somebody there that can help you figure out what you're looking for and get you into that growth mindset so early on is just incredible. Lucky for you, wow. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I was definitely really lucky to, to go to a school like this. I think, you know, most, uh, well, many students don't have the chance to be in constant contact with adults who really, like truly care about their development outside of school as well as in school. So mm-hmm. I think it was a really positive space for me. Definitely. So you've had a lot of unique school experiences. You grew up in a school, essentially. Your house was a school. You had a lot of siblings. 
that you guys all went through the same. Did your parents teach you in the Montessori school? Yeah. So we all did like preschool at home, basically. Um, I actually did kindergarten and first grade at home as like homeschool, Mm -hmm. but most of my siblings started going to like, um, outside of like, like schools that weren't my house, uh, (laughs) by like first grade. (laughs) So that's really cool. So you had that experience and then you were going, you went to an all girls high school, which is another unique experience that not a lot of people get to, you know, Mm -hmm to go through and that's I mean now you're studying philosophy with an emphasis on education so when did you feel like hey this is something I can actually go forth and dig deeper into was it kind of in the back of your mind or did it just hit one day or how did it come about yeah it's a good question because I think like probably most high schoolers don't even really know what philosophy is and that was definitely me as well for most of high school but Another kind of unique thing about my high school was that we had a sort of senior year capstone class, which incorporated a lot of um, both philosophy and like Catholic theology as well, because the school had like a Catholic Catholic um, sort of mission. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I was a little, expo- well, I was exposed to that as a senior and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I like this way of thinking. Um, I had our, always kind of enjoyed English and humanities type subjects so I Mm -hmm. thought it was fun I wasn't really expecting to study it in college though Um, but my freshman year at Harvard I was in a class called Humanities 10 which is a year-long writing and reading focused class you basically read a book a week um, and it goes through a lot of classic texts um, mostly sort of the western canon but um, it's become more international I would say over the years in terms of um, the traditions that they draw upon so one book a week classes yeah (laughs) yeah it was it's pretty intensive but a lot of good books and most people don't actually read the book (laughs) you know just kind of skimming and reading important parts cliff notes yeah Yeah. (laughs) i can't i can't say that i fully read all of them (laughs) but um i i remember that as a freshman i was like really excited about english as a potential major but in this class, I didn't really love the lectures that were given by the English professors. So the way it was set up is that we were reading all these different books and then every week a different professor would lecture on the books. So you would get like the Shakespeare professor come in and talk about the Shakespeare wow. and, and so on. So I remember not really loving the English professor's lectures. I thought I, I just didn't really find them super interesting, mm-hmm. even if I really enjoyed the book. But we had philosophy professors come in and their lectures were just so fascinating to me. Um, I actually had a philosophy professor who's still a professor of mine, one of my mentors, and he was also my seminar leader. So we had a weekly seminar in addition to lectures. And I just really loved the way he taught. I loved the way that he presented philosophical thinking. Um, I think one of the main, two of the main philosophers we read that year were Pascal and Nietzsche. Um, And I was just like, wow, this is so cool. I love the approach to thinking that that these texts like demonstrate. Right. So uh, so after that, my freshman year, I took a couple more philosophy classes, and from there, I was just like sold on it. Like I love the professors. Um, I love the stuff we read. I like the way of writing. It's very logical, and um, and you have to give you know evidence for your arguments. So I think it's a discipline that teaches you really how to think. Um, right. 
So what from yeah. what from English did you not get? What was missing for you out of English? You came in strong on it, or at least open to it more so than anything else, and then you were pushed away from it into this more rigorous philosophical way of thinking. Was that what was the was that the missing piece, or what was missing in English for you? I think it. I think that rigorous thinking style was the missing piece, and. I like the way you asked that question because I've never thought of it like that, like what was missing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think philosophy really gives an added layer of thinking. You can take, like in English, you can take a book and look at its themes or look at the character development or even look at like general life lessons. Mm -hmm. um, but I think with philosophy, you're able to analyze like the deeper nature of those ideas. Um, so, for example, if you have a book about, like, like, I don't know, take A Christmas Carol or something like that, where you have a story about um, a change in a person and it shows that you should love your neighbors or mm -hmm. something like that. So you can take a lesson like that out of English, but with philosophy, you might be able to ask, um, you know, is this ethical framework of loving your neighbors, is that the one we should actually live by? Like, right. what is the right ethical framework? Um how should we treat other people? What kind of claims do people have for how they should be treated? Right. Um, so, I mean, that's the like field of ethics and philosophy, but so I guess what I'm saying is I like the way that philosophy takes that extra few steps mm -hmm. in asking those questions, um, not just for ethics, but for, for politics and government or for art um, and all different fields, really. I think it, it's just so exciting to be able to, dig a little deeper. Definitely. And, you know, I didn't study too much philosophy in my undergraduate time. There was one or two classes that I took and it made at least one thing that I noticed that stood out to me was it kind of connects you to the history of like scientific thinking or modern thinking, like mm -hmm. where we are now, you get to see the first sort of arguments that were created by even the ancient Greeks. That was what I took was classics. Yeah. So it's kind of like y you feel closer to the world that we live in now, at least that's, that's what I got from it. So that's kind of what I'm hearing from what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people think of philosophy as very disconnected from reality sometimes because the stereotype of it is that it's so abstract. But if you think about the history of philosophy, most philosophers um, that we draw upon today were scientists and were they called themselves natural philosophers back then because they were, you know, they were looking out at the stars or they were looking at, um, they were dissecting, you know, animals or bodies and, and things like that and just discovering. Um, and then later on in history is when sort of science branched off as a separate discipline from philosophy. Right. But I think if you look at the roots of it, um, there's a lot of overlap. And I see that in my classes too. I have a lot of classmates who are also studying um, scientific fields like neuroscience, biology, uh, psychology, things like that. Neat. Super neat. So now that you've been on this path for your junior, you switched when you were a freshman. Is that when you decided you were going to dig in? Um, well, at Harvard, you declare your major um, in the fall of your sophomore year. Mm -hmm. So by the end of freshman year, I was pretty set on philosophy. Um, and then also at that time with the education part, so education is like my minor. Um, and I guess for some context there, I started to think more about that towards the end of my freshman year as well, because I found myself 
when it came time to write papers that had more open prompts where I could tackle any topic I wanted to, um, I found myself turning towards education related topics. So for instance, for my intro psychology class, I wrote my paper about how Montessori education can help students with learning disabilities, um, which was obviously very close to home, like literally for literally me. close to home. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then later on in my other philosophy classes, I wrote about you know the justice of like tracking in schools. So putting kids on like um, accelerated versus like um, non-accelerated tracks and things like that. So I found myself returning to those topics. So I was like, okay, why not just make a minor out of it and keep studying it through my classes? Definitely. Very neat. So now that you've been since kind of the end of your freshman year on this path of philosophy and education, have you gotten out of it what you've expected to get out of it? Is there still more, are there still more questions about your direction or do you feel pretty set in your ways about the trajectory you're taking? I think the cool thing about both fields is that they are relatively open in a way that has surprised me, I would say up until recently. So, or or, uh, not up until recently, but um, as of the past few weeks, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. So I think both fields, you know, you can think, okay, philosophy, you only go into academia or education. Okay. You're going to be a teacher, but the skills that you learn from those fields can really apply across so many different kinds of jobs or or directions after college so that's something I've been reflecting on but I guess to answer your question I'm definitely not sure of my direction (laughs) um I I don't know if I I mentioned this before I guess but I'm a junior this year but I actually took last year off that's right I know we talked a little about that before when we've spoken but um I'm super glad that I'm not a senior right now because I I do not know what my life after college will look like um but yeah I think I think I'm on a good a good track I feel like I'm definitely getting a lot out of both fields that I'm into as well as my elective classes that are outside of philosophy and education um and so I think you know whether it's grad school whether it's going directly into a job I I feel like that the options will emerge over time definitely they're not very clear right now and I want to touch on that gap year aspect. You took that after your sophomore year? Yeah, that's right. And how was that gap year for you? What motivated it? What was the overarching, you know, premise? And then what were those outcomes? And were you happy that you took that year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think 2020 uh, was the most unexpected year for like anyone in the world with the pandemic. And so for me, that was the end of my sophomore year and we were sent home. Um, as I mentioned earlier, my, my household is pretty busy. And so it was really hard for me to do virtual classes from home. Uh, it was hard to find like a quiet spot to work. And if I found a quiet spot, the Wi-Fi wasn't really working. So it was just a little, well, it was more than a little, it was like very difficult to, to do school. So I had never thought I would take a gap year during college Mm -hmm. Um, before the pandemic. I was always like, okay, college is four years and then I'll move on to whatever's next. Um, But knowing that things didn't go so well for me doing virtual classes, knowing that Harvard was going to be all virtual, um, I decided to take that year to work instead because I was like, okay, I'll get more out of it. Um, 
doing something that grows my skills, that helps me do something like in real time, as opposed to just kind of getting by and not feeling or doing my best. Definitely. So I don't regret it at all. It was a really good time to explore some other things. Um, so I actually was working at my high school, which was pretty cool. So I was able to come back and, um, instead of being a student, I was helping out in the college guidance office. I was subbing in for classes once in a while. No way. Um, And yeah, it was, which was really interesting because a lot of the students were, you know, like freshmen when I was a senior. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of weird at times going back in and being like, okay, guys, like I'm (laughs) Miss Landry. I'm receiving it. And they were like looking at me like, Gabby, like what? (laughs) That is so Um, funny. Including, including my, my two younger sisters who are at the school. So (laughs) that is I will say, I mean, they were really nice. Like, they were very respectful of me, which I don't, I don't know how likely that would have been in like another kind of school, uh, given that I'm so young and right. was a student when they were as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and that's when you started yeah. writing as well, right? In COVID or like more publicly writing? Yeah. And how, yeah, definitely. how, um, like, where do you hope the writing takes you since you've started? You said that you wanted to <laughs> kind of start to kind of give some, I don't know, direction for all the chaos that had happened that year and make sense of things or help others make sense of things. But now that you are back in school and you have to balance obviously your schoolwork and your life with this writing, I mean, it is your life, but where do you hope it's taking you? Mm -hmm. This is something I've been thinking about a lot recently because it is really hard to write consistently with school. Like I'm already reading a ton every week and writing every week just for school and then there's like also other like projects that I'm up to that are also kind of academic related um I mean I'm hoping at least to keep it consistent I I I want to develop more specific goals over these next few months because I I don't want to just put things out there without a clear direction Mm -hmm. I think the overall spirit of it is to be a place where people can come and find an article that gives them some inspiration um, of, of any kind. So like some of my favorite articles to write have just been like lessons from books that I've read on creativity or, um, or different lifestyle things, emotional intelligence, stuff like that, that I find helpful. So I'm like, okay, I can put what I've learned out there. Maybe someone else will get something out of that. Um, but I think... I think at least one clearer vision that I have for it is to be a space where I can share my own like original ideas too. Um, So for example, I like, I like to upload some of my papers that I've written for class Mm -hmm. onto the site, Um, not adapted into a blog post, but just literally like, here's the paper like um, that I've written for this class. Right. So right now I'm also working on, a research study on actually students who took a leave of absence during the pandemic. So I hope that as I actually start to gather original data from that project, I can share out like lessons from it and maybe recommendations to policymakers at colleges and um, to share more original ideas into the education or philosophy space. Definitely. So, I mean, we'll see where it goes in the future. At this point, I just hope to keep it relatively consistent and, know hopefully get some more readers and people Mm -hmm. who want to 
who, people who want to follow this kind of work just kind of start cultivating that community a little bit more. 100%. Yeah, one, and consistency, it's key. It's totally key. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know that you're a hard worker and you've been at it for, you know, literally since the last couple of years. So nothing's stopping you at this point. Um, <laughs> only good things yeah. to come. And so I guess for this conversation, we've got a couple more questions and then we have our rapid fire round, which is actually your idea. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. <laughs> it's been wonderful. So let's go and talk about the last question. Two last two questions. When you have been in college, what have been some of your most stressful times and how have you gotten through them as a student or as just a person? Um, you know, something that's made it difficult for you to perform in your classes or in your personal life like you would hope to. And how did you balance whatever you needed to balance and find whatever solution you needed to get through that time or those times? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're recurring. Yeah, I think like two main examples come to mind. The first is what I already mentioned, which was the end of sophomore year trying to finish at home. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other, I would say, was like my freshman fall. So as far as the sophomore year thing goes, I kind of already described why it was difficult. Um, But something that really helped me to get through it was just communicating with my professors. And I think everyone was in a very understanding state of mind at that point in time because things were so new and so unpredictable. Um, So my professors were pretty flexible, but I was able to reach out and just say, like, you know, it's really hard for me to do work at home. Can I get an extension on this paper? Um, and these were all like kind of my, my final papers at that point. So typically it's hard to get an extension beyond the end of a semester. Um, especially if it's the spring, but because of the situation, my professors were super understanding. So I think I finally finished sophomore year, like at the beginning, maybe like the second week of June or something. So definitely like two or three weeks later, but, um, they were very accommodating and um, yeah, just, just really helped me a lot. I, other professors made it clear that we didn't have to have our cameras on all the time and the zoom screen, like, because they understood like it's a ton of screen time. It's really tiring. So mm-hmm. I'd say just like communicating, asking for help and, and um, also communicating like what I was done, what I had done so far. So in asking for extension saying like, you know, I've already done at least this outline or I've read this one article, like, here's what I need to be able to finish. So would definitely recommend that for for other students, just reach out to your professors. And if you're really struggling, seeing if they can help. Um, And then freshman fall, I would say, was also another really stressful time for me. And I think that a lot of people go through this during their their first semester at college, but it's not always the part that's talked about because there's so many exciting things during your freshman fall as well. But um, for me, I think the first few weeks were really fun as people were meeting each other, my classes were starting. But um, as time went on, things kind of settled down by like October. I just got, I don't know, kind of stressed with, um, not really with school, but like with making friends and feeling connected to other people. And so that kind of spilled over into like feeling stressed about what I had to do, which was schoolwork. Um, so yeah, I think just general sort of loneliness and like feeling like, wow, I just went from this super small, like close knit environment in high school. And now I feel like I don't have a lot of close friends. Mm -hmm. Um, which again, I think a lot, 
a lot more people experience that than we typically talk about. So, um, yeah. So something that helped me during this time was trying to just be patient with myself. Um, and just knowing that, you know, I didn't meet my best friends right at the beginning of high school either. Like it did take like months and even, even years to, to become super close with, with my good friends. So I just tried to be a little more patient with myself. Um, also like reaching out and talking with people from like the mental health groups on campus was really helpful for me. And like kind of something I had to be patient with myself through as well. Cause that wasn't really like super familiar to me. It kind of felt like a source of shame for a while, but I was able to work through that with time just cause I think, I don't know, upbringing, it wasn't super discussed in my family or anything. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's but, true for a lot of families. Yeah. It's not necessarily something mm-hmm. that, is top of mind, you know, it's kind of like you, I don't know, you want everything to be good at all times, but sometimes you forget that it's okay if things aren't good and you just have to learn to deal with them. And for you to share that with so many young people that are entering their college years or have been in their college years, you know, it doesn't stop your freshman year. You still have other stresses and things. And for you to even say, you know, the mental health clinic or like reaching out to those guidance counselors, it's, that's such great advice that I think is so often overlooked because it is that resource that's just screaming at your face. It's, Hey, I'm here, but something about it has a weird connotation. Like you said, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you don't want to go and talk cause it's like, you know, I'm, I don't know what that sort of motive is within our own internal psyche, but for you to say that it's yeah. very admirable. And, and I'm, you know, to all the listeners definitely take those words to heart because everyone goes <laughs> through it. Everyone goes through it. Yeah. And I think, like, if you are hesitant for whatever reason, whether that's, like, your impression of it or, like, you know, maybe the reputation of the services on campus, like, just try it. Like, it's just one extra resource that could be helpful. For me, like, it was helpful starting off. Like, it it became a starting point where I was like, okay, at least, like, I have one person who I can at least vent to. Um, I would say it probably wasn't, like, the single most helpful thing to me, I think the most helpful thing was just, you know, sticking through it and Mm -hmm. knowing that like by freshman spring, things were a little better. Like I felt like I met more people, literally just had more exposure to people. And so I was able to find like closer friends. Um, but yeah. And, and there were other services that kind of overlap with mental health services at Harvard. So my freshman year, there was a group, um, called the Bureau of Study Council, where um, they basically have like trained like clinical uh, psychologists, I guess. I'm not sure what their actual credentials were, but they were like able to talk to you as like counselors, but they were also very um, academic focused. So I found them really helpful to talk to because they weren't like, they weren't like therapists, but they were just there to be like, okay, what, what is stressing you out about classes or like, how are you approaching it? And, but they weren't just, um, they weren't just sort of strategic either. They wouldn't just tell you, okay, here's, here are some study tips. They would be like, you know, what are the underlying, like, are you feeling pressure to perform a certain way? Right. Like, do you feel like you're being pushed into this field? Like mm-hmm. they would really look at the personal underlying factors. So wow. it's kind of a, a nice mix between like clinical psychology type stuff as well as academic health. And yeah. I think it was um, maybe more approachable to people who didn't want to talk to like, a therapist or anything. Definitely. And that kind of just rings that 
similarity bell of what you described in your high school of having those mentors that helped you set your goals and mm-hmm. do that did you find that that was a similar effect on you as a person I've never thought about that comparison but I think that's definitely true like there wasn't as close of a relationship because mm-hmm. I kind of just did like drop in talk for like an hour like maybe twice that semester but um yeah I definitely got the feeling that they actually cared about the students about me like as people as well as like I don't know minds because <laughs> um, I feel like at Harvard a lot of times there's just focus on like the brain side of the person as opposed to like overall well-being and just like how we're doing in general um mm-hmm. but yeah I think I think they were a very positive presence on campus I'm sad that they're not around anymore they um I think they closed after my sophomore year Oh, really? And then, an, yeah, a new office opened up called the Academic Resource Center, mm-hmm. which, in my experience, is a lot more strategy-focused and much less overall wellness mm-hmm. and academic-focused. Like, Interesting. I talked to a coach there once, I think last semester. Yeah, last semester I talked to a coach there, um, and... I don't know. I just found it much less personable, um, much more focused on just study strategies. So I, I didn't find it super helpful, but maybe that's only because I was able to compare it to what was the Bureau of Study Council. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know a lot of students find value in it, especially like if you don't know, if you don't have good study strategies or good communication techniques with your professor and stuff but for me I was looking for something a little more like I don't know just a little deeper and more personal definitely no yeah that sense of enlightenment or that sense of like purpose is um it's important it's what keeps us going that social connection so I love it that's that's great advice um that's really great advice and I guess on that note let's kick it into our rapid fire round which is your brainchild So (laughs) I guess the first one is what is your first thing to do to decompress after a big test? I really like just sitting in my common room in my dorm. We have uh, like a common room upstairs and then our bedrooms downstairs. And I have three roommates like in my suite. So I really like just coming back, just sitting on the couch and literally just kind of like unraveling my feelings like my body onto this couch and like if my if my roommates are around chatting with them um is always a nice way to just relax definitely definitely all right studying in groups solo or it depends what do you prefer solo solo definitely solo i mean once in a while i can work in a group but the nature of philosophy is very much like you have to read then you have to write so most of the time i'm either alone in my room or I love going to the libraries as well. There is something about studying in a library that is so irreplicable. Like it's, it's wow. Yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> I'm sure the libraries <laughs> at Harvard are gorgeous. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, favorite nice. book, favorite book. You've read a lot of books, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I think my all time favorite is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Mm. Um, it's just the one that I think has had the most enduring impact on me personally. I really, really love that book. What's the gist of that? Give us a one sentence summary of your synopsis. So it's basically a Holocaust survivor who's also a psychologist writing about um, 
his experience and bigger picture reflections on how to endure and find meaning through the most difficult circumstances. I love that. That's wonderful. I actually have yet to read the book. I, it's like one of the books that everyone's like, you have to read this book. And I know I need <laughs> to read that book. So I'm excited to get to it. Um, yeah. But next question, favorite teacher and favorite grade? I really loved... Hmm. Actually, this is really hard because I've had a lot of great teachers. I've been really lucky, but um, I would say like freshman English with my teacher, Mrs. Whitlock. Mm -hmm. I also had her as my like newspaper advisor when I was in that club. And she also taught me English in other years too. But yeah, she was just awesome. Um, She does this thing where with her, with her freshman students, where on the first day she had us stand on our desks and like yell out that we were warriors <laughs> <laughs> basically to just like break the ice in a really quirky way um and get us like like i said this school inspired so much confidence in me wow. and that's just like one small example so yeah she's awesome not only made my writing much better but was just so encouraging like she was one of the first people to encourage me to apply to Harvard, actually. So, wow. yeah, she's awesome. Oh, my. Were you always thinking of going to, I mean, Harvard's a, an unbelievable school. Did you always have your sights set up top or were you surprised by yourself or how did that come about? You said she inspired you. So that's where my head's going. Yeah. I Well, yeah. I mean, she really like, I wasn't thinking about it at all, which sounds kind of weird because like you said, like it's such a well-known school, but by junior year, it wasn't even really on my radar like I guess I didn't think I would be qualified but I think I got I think I like I took the SAT junior like winter of junior year and I was talking with her about how I did and she was like what are you doing like you need to apply to Harvard like you did so well and I was like what like Harvard really you think so and she's like yeah like go for it oh my goodness Um, and so I was like wow okay um and then I was thinking a little bit more about it senior year because also with Mrs. Whitlock, we, she took me and a few others from the newspaper club to a high school journalism conference that was hosted by the Harvard Crimson. Um, Cause I went to school in Massachusetts and I'm from here. So it was like relatively close to get to. So she took us to this conference and then afterwards she walked us around Harvard's campus a little bit. And after that, I was just like, okay, I should definitely apply here. That's awesome. (laughs) And that was, uh, I think that was November of my senior year. So things came together around, around that time. Wonderful. What a neat, what a neat little story. Um, Okay, well, this is a perfect lead into the next question. What's your favorite thing about Harvard? I think the people you have the chance to learn from here are, are just like, phenomenal um I've already spoken really highly of my professors but I think the professors even the librarians and fellow students are all just here with so many great ideas so much knowledge to share not only about academic stuff but also just life experience so um I think it's a really special place because of like the kinds of people and thinkers it brings together definitely and what's your favorite place to be on campus common room or library (laughs) no I'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) I do love my common but I also really love the Harvard Art Museums. Okay. Um, they're right on campus and they have like such a cool collection. Um, so 
yeah, I just love going there. It's really relaxing and you can always find a cool piece of art to look at. And since it's right on campus, like if I have even an hour on like Friday afternoon after classes, like just stopping by there is such a nice way to, I don't know, just get out of my own head a little bit. Totally. Totally. And grad school or no grad school? You touched on this earlier. I'm still not sure. I think if I did do grad school, it would be, well, at least as of now, what I'm thinking, it would be like a master's program. Mm -hmm. So one or two years um, in education, probably. Mm -hmm. But like I said before, I'm definitely open to lots of options. I'm not really sure where I'll end up in a few years. Definitely. And last question is, what is your top piece of advice for incoming freshmen? I would say try to make use of the resources that you have available. Like, even if you're not struggling necessarily, I think a lot of people talk about using resources in a moment of crisis. So whether that's like mental health resources or, you know, things like that, but those are really important, but also like, when you just come onto campus, like go around and meet people from different offices, like career services or international uh, travel office, things like that. Like just go out there and see what resources are available to you to do cool stuff because um, there are always awesome opportunities. And if you know one person in the office or if you sign up for one mailing list, like you can find out about these and have really cool, you know, trips or volunteering opportunities, job opportunities like already in your first year. So try and be as aware as possible about what's going on. And um, yeah, just just making good use of, of your time there. I love it. Well, Gabrielle, thank you so, so much for joining us today and sharing so many great pieces of information with those who are out there that are either doing it or are going to get started in their academic path, their educational journey. And uh, it's just such a unique story that you have. And I learned so much more about you today that I wasn't even aware of. So I'm super happy that we got this chance to chat. And um, I'm really looking forward to sharing it with so many other people. And I'm so glad you were up for it. Yeah, thanks so much, Oliver. This is really fun. Um, And I hope a lot of people start listening to the podcast because I think it's really great. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. We'll keep going. Consistency is key. Consistency is key. So yeah, Well, I'll talk to you soon and thank you so much for hopping on. All right, of course. Thanks for having me.